0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. I, I, before I get into the word, let me just just pray for a second, more for me to compose myself for a second and then we'll, we'll go on. But Father, I, I just I just thank you We've, um, we've spoken about what you want to do tonight and uh, you, you, you've shared and I, I just pray for boldness, Lord, to do what I need to do and to say what I need to say and I just say, do it, Lord, just just have your way tonight and we just love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Uh, the, the title of, of the sermon tonight is, is just reverse or, or chaos reversed. And uh, just seems like any time that we start talking about things that have been happening around here, there seems to be a lot of chaos. And I just want to talk about how we go from death to resurrection power. That's really what the, the subject is. And, and, and I just want to just start off by saying that not everything is as, as it seems This is a spiritual battle that we find ourselves in, and it's very easy to just simply let ourselves go by the circumstance of the moment and not understand what's happening beneath the surface. And what I feel that part of what the Lord wants to do is just give us a snapshot of what is happening and then how we can really partner with him and walk in that resurrection power. And so I I wanna start just, just, I'm gonna say two things, just talk about the situation and then the solution, okay? Okay. I'm trying to be like Pastor Josh and just have some things that rhyme and words that rhyme, and so situation, and if you're taking notes, that's what you can write, and if not, like Pastor Hodges says, you're probably going to hell. So, <laughs> so as I was praying about this and getting getting just just uh, in, in my heart, I felt like the Lord was bringing a few just stories to mind, and, and one of them is, is a really well-known story. It's the story of Jonah, and it's only four chapters in the Bible, and it's four chapters in the book, and it's such a great great story because it's like this reluctant prophet and it's like it's a story about just God really the, the biggest obstacle in him trying to reach a, a nation that was pagan is his own prophet I mean that, that that's his main stumbling block is trying to work with this guy that's always in a bad mood and so he tells him to go to Nineveh and then he he, he goes the opposite direction and uh, you, you know the story He he gets on the boat and when he's on the boat there's this big wind, like it says in Jonah 1, chapter 4, it says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest. Now, in the Hebrew, it says, in the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. So there's something that's happening on the surface. They have this wind that is happening, and the sailors are really freaking out, and they're calling out to their gods and everything. And, and, but there's also something that is stirring beneath the surface. There's something that's happening in the waters. In Job chapter 41 and verse 31, it talks about creatures that live in the deep of the water and how they make the boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. And it's just this thing that is happening in the water and the sailors are really freaking out because it's, it's getting hit on all sides. It's, it's, on, it's on the top, it's on the surface, it's in the water itself and they're just absolutely freaking out. And so what they, what they do is that they begin to row. It says, nevertheless, in verse 13, they begin to, to row back to land, but it's, it's not gonna go really well for them, right? We know that. And, and they, they rowed hard to get back to dry land, but, but they could not for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Now, it's it's, it's just interesting. Okay, I'm going to get a little nerdy here for just just a second. Okay, but this this word that's used here that's called, for road, it, it's it's this word that means digging. It's only used eight times in the Old Testament. Two times it's used where it's not about somebody digging a hole in the ground or through a wall or something like that, and it actually has to do. With water and just and it's just just stuff that's happening. So the other place where it's used is in Amos in chapter nine and verses two through three. It says, "If they dig into Sheol, okay, so this is the idea that God is bringing judgment, and if they try to escape from me, and if they try to dig down into Sheol, it's the same word as it's using here. So they're rowing, but it's, they're not going anywhere. They're actually digging their own grave, right?" It's, it's, it just wants us to get this imagery that's in there. From there shall my hand take them. If they climb up to heaven, from there I will bring them down. I Meaning they're not going to escape what I have coming to them. If they hide themselves on the top of Carmel, if, from there I will search them out and take them. And if they hide from my sight at the bottom of the sea, there I will command the serpent Or I love the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. It says, the dragon, I will send the dragon and it shall bite them. Meaning that they're not going to escape what I have to do and what I'm bringing upon them. And and here's this idea that that even if they try to escape and they try to dig down into Sheol to kind of escape from God, he's like, it's not going to happen. But here's the question. Where is Sheol in all of this? Like, like, where is it that they're digging? Because here they're on water, and they're using this word, and it's like the author of Jonah is trying to let us know there's something that's happening here that's beneath the surface that you got to understand. It's more than what you're just looking at it, uh, just just from, if we were just there somehow watching this, there's something else that is going on beneath the surface. And he goes, there's something having to do here with, with death itself, and it's, it's a bubbling in the water. It's trying to reach them. And, and here's the thing: if they if they try to dig to Sheol, well, in, in their concept of the world, Sheol is actually in this watery grave. It's it's the, the way you'd get there. I, I have this uh, this picture somewhere, but it has the ancient Hebrew conception of the universe. And it's, it's it's basically this this watery grave. It's beneath the earth and they had this idea. It's kind of like those snow globes. That's how they saw the, the world or understood it. And and that was just simply their conception of it. And you have the earth and then you have the water and then you have the foundations, things that are holding up the earth. And then underneath that you just have, it's shield is in there and it's this watery grave. And he goes, even if they try to dig themselves, well, how, how can you dig? It's just simply going like, they try to swim and try to get beneath the surface of even the earth itself. They they can't they can't do it and what we find in Jonah he himself says out of the belly of Sheol he says that's exactly where I'm at even in the womb itself in Jonah chapter 2 verse 2 he goes I cried out to God right verse 17 the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights and I know there's a lot of arguments about what kind of fish is this and what's going on and all here and all this kind of stuff. But the, the, the Hebrew word that's used there is dag gadol, which means great fish, okay? In the Septuagint, the word there is, is ketos. It's not the keto diet, so don't worry about that. Some of you are like, what? Okay, this is where it, it came from. No, I'm teasing. Okay, so sea, but it means sea creature and it means sea monster. Like, like I, I would think it would be some kind of like, I don't know, like a whale, right? Something like that, some some kind of some kind of fish. Now, now the word for fish in the in, in the Greek is is just ichthys, which is so. You think it'd be something like that if they had the the Septuagint, You think it'd have something in the Greek. It'd say something about a fish, but instead of it, it says something about like this giant. Sea creature and sea monster that's happening. Now, most of us, when we think about Jonah, and even this situation, we have this idea of like maybe like veggie tails, right? I mean, he's just out there, and and uh there's maybe this big fish that comes and wail and swallows him up, and we have this idea of Pinocchio. But what's really interesting <laughs> is that even from the third century, the way that the Christians actually understood this. They actually have, if you look at even the sarcophagi and, and talking about like, like uh, in the tombs and everything in Rome and in um, different places, they actually have Jonah being thrown down and there's actually like a dragon that's coming after him. It's not this whale. It's not a big fish that's going out, that's trying to swallow him up. It's actually this, 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 this dragon that's eating him. In fact, there's even like a marble statue of Jonah and it has this, this dragon that's half eating him. I have the picture somewhere, but uh, if they could show it, I don't know. But it, 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 it just gives this idea. It's, it's, it's totally different than what we would think when we think of Jonah and being swallowed up by this great fish. And he has a, another picture where he's being thrown off to the side and right up there comes this, this dragon to come and swallow him. I, I, you know, maybe, maybe some of you know that from, uh trying to think of, of something maybe more local about this dragon. Some of you might know it as Palrayuk. I don't know if I said that right or not. I was actually talking to Pastor Tim about this. I just had this thought, I wonder if all civilizations that are close to the ocean have some kind of idea of a dragon in the water. And sure enough, I started looking even through here and even with the Yupik origin, there's this idea of a dragon of even they said where Westerners would come and they would see it and there would be like, there's a dragon. Now, now I was talking to someone before the service and they were telling me really what it is, is these sturgeons that are about 80 to 100 feet long and they, they begin to stir the waters and the fish begin to come up to the surface and then that's how they, they grab them and that's how they get their lunch. But then the traditions, what they have is that they have these this dragon that's in the water. I, this is what's, what's happening here. And this is what, what the author of Jonah is trying to, 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 to communicate. That not only was there this storm above the water, but beneath the water and beneath the surface, you have Leviathan. You have a chaos monster that is stirring beneath the water. And the moment that he's thrown in there, right, everything, everything comes to peace, everything stops because he's got, he's got Jonah. This, this idea, now this is an idea that we have in the nation, ancient Near East, where, where chaos is every kind of disorder that you can imagine. It's this idea of water. I mean, if you've ever been at high sea, and Pastor Daniel was talking about that on Wednesday, and it just goes way high, and you get these 40 to 60 feet high waves kind of thing. I mean, that, that's, that's chaos. You come to understand you're not in control of anything, and you're just holding on for dear life, and you're just trying to make it. You're just hoping that you can make it. Chaos is speaking of those things that even come and and destroy that which you've done. You can set something up and then chaos comes and it can come in the form of an earthquake. It can come in the form of a wind tunnel that's focused in this valley and take everything off that it can and peel everything off that it can. It can come in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. And what it wants to do is just create chaos in your life to the point that you're distracted from purpose. You're distracted from, from priorities that God has given you because you have so much chaos. You're just trying to make it, let alone fulfill what God has done or called you to do. Just chaos in all places. He speaks of, even, even, even when this Leviathan is spoken of in the Bible, it's actually even like a fire-breathing dragon in Job chapter 41. In fact, Job 41, it's all about Leviathan. God begins to describe this creature that all he does is he creates problems everywhere he goes. And he just does it for fun. And he does it because he, he just simply wants to. I, I just want to just say, you have met this monster. You have met this chaos monster. I, I think even as, 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 as a country and even as, as pretty much the world, we can say we have met this chaos monster in the form of just a pandemic and COVID, tossing everything, putting everything out of order and imbalance, balance, trying to find our footing, trying to, to, to find our bearings, to just trying to make it, just trying to, just, just trying to hold on for dear life. And here is this, this, this dragon that comes out and he just begins to cause chaos everywhere you go. And you try to go in one direction because it's, it's kind of like, it's described even as a coiling uh, snake. And he comes around and he just kind of blocks off your, your, your direction and your step. And then you, you try to turn around and go the other direction and you'll find that he's there and then he's just circling in more and more to the point where you have a hard time even breathing. You have a hard time resting. Because all you're doing, you're just trying to breathe. I mean, that's all you're doing. You're just trying to live another day. That's all you're trying to do. Your thought is survival. It's not victory. It's just survival. Now, when when it speaks of Jesus, and it's interesting because he equates himself to the, he uses Jonah as as an example of himself. It's interesting because in Jonah 41 and verse 1, just listen to this. Can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? The, the early church fathers thought of this. When they read this, they thought of Jesus. They thought that Jesus was the bait on the hook to draw out Leviathan so that then he could kill him. Can I, can I just say that I feel like you guys have been the bait on the hook to draw out Leviathan, so that then God can right now come and crush his head underneath your feet. And see, see, this, this is the thing: only an Alaskan could do that. Okay, because you guys have grit. You guys just don't give up. I mean, I mean, for some of you, having an outhouse is a good idea. In minus degree weather, for you, that that's fun. It's not fun to me, right? Pastor Robert, it's not fun for you either, right? You know, I, I, would, I would have chronic constipation. I'd have a monthly subscription to Depends. I'm, I'm not doing that. Is that too much? Yeah, too, too far, okay. You know, you, you, guys, you guys do that because you guys are just, you're just crazy. You're like, it doesn't matter how cold it is outside. You'll just, you'll just go do whatever. It would take an Alaskan to be able to be the bait on the hook to draw out Leviathan because you guys just don't know how to quit. And you show up day after day and even though you've been getting a beating and it seems like every step that you take, sometimes you might be taking two steps back but you get up again and you keep going and you're showing up to prayer and you're showing up to your life group and you're showing up to ministry, you're showing up to church and you just keep coming and you keep coming, and you keep showing up and showing up. And what it's been doing is just drawing out that principality and power over this area so that right for this moment, like a moment like today, God can just crush them under your feet. Now notice notice in Matthew 12, in verses 40 to 41, it says, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, and Jesus uses the word here, ketos. He doesn't say the word fish like you and I would use, like, hey, let's go get some fish. He uses the word here, this this Leviathan, this sea creature. So will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He he himself will be in the Sheol or Hades. The men of Nineveh, I'm, I'm sorry, sometimes I can't pronounce things, I'm thinking Spanish, but we'll rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. I, I, I thought it was interesting that he says something greater than Jonah is here, not someone greater than Jonah is here but something greater than Jonah is here because he's talking about an event that takes place, that it's a death and the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate defeat of this serpent and of this dragon. He absolutely, absolutely defeats it, absolutely crushes it. So here's here's the question. If that, that being the case, which it is the case, how do we enter in then into this, And how can we reverse the chaos that the dragon has caused in our life? Here we go to the solution if you're taking notes, and if not, you know where you're going. Okay, so Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, we find Jonah, this is a great prayer that Jonah does. He's in the middle. Now, you, you got to think, he's in hell. Because the way he describes it, he's like, I'm, I'm in the belly of Sheol itself. Like, I'm, I'm in hell right now. But he stops and he goes, he prays to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. He goes, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me out of the belly of Sheol. I cried and and you heard my voice. He's even speaking prophetically. You've already heard me. Even though I'm right here and I feel like I'm about to die and be torn apart. I, I can't even I can't even decide where to go because I'm this this thing has got me and it, it decides where to go and and how deep and where all the stuff I, I can't even decide for myself. He he speaks prophetically. He's like God, you hear me when I cry out and when I pray, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surround surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. It's a way of just even saying, I'm gonna be able to enjoy your presence again. The waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains, I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up, or yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. He's basically saying, I died. And yet you brought life again. It's this idea of resurrection power. Verse seven, when my life was fainting, when I was sickly, like wounded, and it was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple, to your presence. Now, now notice, those who pray, pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay, salvation belongs to the Lord. And then we finally get to the end of verse 10. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. He's a different, I mean, he's still got somewhat of an attitude. But he's been through death and he's still alive. There's resurrection power that brings revival. What I love about Jonah is that he, he gives the worst sermon ever you know it's just just repent that's it you know like just there's not much not not flourish in this there's there's not much and yet there's something of it that just reached the heart of the people and we're we're talking about people that are pagan and have this history of being violent and anti-god and yet they respond at that moment i like to think that it just simply speaks of the harvest that god wants to bring into this place so how, 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 do we, how do we begin to reverse this? Number one is just simply bring to mind what God has done. Now, when he remembers, when Jonah remembers, it's not just this remembering of like, yeah, I remember what God did. It's, it's remembering to the point of changing how you feel of the moment. It's, it's different. So yeah, I, I know God did whatever, but it's like kind of sitting in it a little bit longer. You know, I wasn't at King's in 1995. It's a key moment in the history of the church of King's. Dr. Morocco will share how Robert Howard, Rodney Howard Brown came, the revival that broke out, began to say about how there was some poor brother in the bathroom and fell out under the Spirit. And you have, uh, you know, Pastor Daniel remembering the places where he was at and where he just totally lost it. And Pastor Josh, and everybody begins to, to speak about that moment. It's very interesting because every time that happens, that same anointing begins to manifest itself. There's something about remembering to the point of feeling, to changing, that, that, that brings back that same anointing. In fact, it's, it's good. This is what's so good about even being in connection with one another, where you can come and begin to reminisce together, begin to remember together. Even in the moments where you're discouraged, that you begin to draw to mind the things that God has done, how he's come and how he's provided, how he's healed, how he's delivered, how he's led you, how he's protected you. And you begin to just simply begin to feel those things again, especially whenever you feel kind of dead in your heart, you know, and you don't feel anything. Begin to recall to mind all that God has done. The fact that he's good and that his mercy is forever. And then what he does, and this is what I love, is that he voices his praise. That's the second thing, just voice your praise. This is, this is something that you guys have done. You have stayed the course. Because I tell you what, at times it has been a sacrifice of praise, meaning that you didn't have the answer at the moment. Everything seemed bleak at the moment and yet you decided to continue to praise God. Some of you would come up here and some of you with even tears would be streaming down your face and you're still praising God because you, you, you're voicing it. You're making a declaration when you do that. See, those sturgeons come and they stir up all those fish and bring them up to the surface to eat them. But what, what, what happens when the enemy comes to stir up, if he starts stirring up praise, oh, he starts backing off. And when it comes in and you have problems that are happening in your life, well, we will all have problems, we all face stuff, but if you make this decision, I, I'm not only going to just hum it in my head, I'm going to voice my praise to him, and I'm going to give thanksgiving to him, even when I don't feel like it, even when I don't even see the answer, even when it just seems bleak and I got the worst news I could possibly get. Even then, I'm going to make this decision, Lord, you are good in your mercy, and Endures forever, because your love is better than life, my lips will praise you, and I make the decision to do that. I'm telling you, that's the way, in fact, uh, prophet, uh, apostle Tom was saying today, what you celebrate, you elevate, what you celebrate is what you enter into, the way that you enter into the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, is you begin to celebrate beforehand what he's already done. Most of us wait and see what God will do, and then we decide. It's like the people of Israel. They have the 10 plagues that they see, God outstretching his arm, his power, going after each and every one of the Egyptian gods, defeating each and every one of them, bringing them out, bringing them right to the shoreline. They have the enemy at their backs, and this is what they do. Oh, what, there's not enough graves in, 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 in Egypt? Not enough sand dunes that God has to bring us here to die? Like, God, at least pick a better place for us to die, right? Like, he did all that just so, just so you could be buried right here. So they cross over to the Red Sea, and everybody celebrates on the other side. Well, yeah, hello. I, I would think so. Doesn't take a lot of faith to do that. Three days later, they get to some water that's bitter, and like, oh, God, you know, like, 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 like God's like going after them and somehow wanting to, to kill them. He's wanting to free them bringing them into purpose and destiny. And they just can't get their praise right. They can't get their faith right. They can't get their relationship right with God because they can't celebrate beforehand what he's going to do. Let me tell you something, every obstacle that you face as a church and even individually is just simply another opportunity that God has to demonstrate his power. So that dragon will show up. He begins to stir things. And you just begin to praise and celebrate beforehand what God is gonna do. And let me tell you something, you begin to enter into that victory, and it's not even about what he does anymore. It's already about what God has done. You enter into that very victory of Christ. Let me tell you, I, I, just some weeks ago, as I was just preparing for, for just praying actually, she wasn't even thinking about this time. I was just praying for other things. I, I had a, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. I don't even know if it was a vision. I don't know what it was. And I'll be real honest, I, I didn't want to share it tonight, but I just felt like the Lord told me to do it. So what I saw over this place was this, this principality, this power the only way I can describe it it's like if it was made up of a constellation like a constellation bunch of little I don't know what to call them principalities powers all together that's what it was made up as and I just saw Jesus sitting on his throne he stood up he spoke and sliced the head off and it just fell and I thought of this verse in Isaiah 27, verse 1. It says, In that day, the Lord with his heart, with his hand, with hard and great and strong sword, will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he will slay the dragon that is in the sea. The only thing I've come here to do today, this is all I felt like the Lord wanted me to do, is just simply say, that he has been defeated and that the enemy is beneath your feet. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter the obstacles it might be. You, you think, well, there's these delays and there's this other things and all that stuff. Listen, he's under your feet. You, you don't understand. You already have the victory. It, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a thing of like, well, I'm waiting until something. No, no, no. It's already done. In fact, there have been people that have purposefully tried to stop this construction and this building. But just like God had those midwives in Egypt, he has midwives in different areas and arenas that fear him and will let things slide and go by. And I'm telling you, God will birth what he has purposed in this place. And it's not just even about this place and it's not even just about this kings, it's about the kingdom. And it's about what he wants to do in and through each and every one of you. You've given blood, sweat, and tears in this place. You've given, you've sacrificed. Let me tell you something, it's time for harvest. It's time for harvest. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you.